Your bun looks like a croissant. <laughs> uh, terrible. Why would I eat candy corn? I don't know. You literally just shared something talking about candy corn and how shitty it is. I know. I was like, ooh, they got candy corn in there. And then I took a bite. I'm like, I don't even fucking like candy corn. Why would I eat that? <laughs> stupid um, ass. <laughs> fucking stupid. It's Halloween! <laughs> this is Halloween. This is Halloween. It's Halloween! <laughs> Pretty though, with red. That was beautiful. That was beautiful. That was be- beautiful. Get the fuck out of here, Free Willy! <laughs> Jesus! Mary and Joseph. <laughs> it's been a long time. <laughs> it's been a really long time since I did that. When you started that, that sounded like the ghost from Mario Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what's up? <laughs> I'm sorry, what the podcast? Is it? <laughs> it is. I'm Christina. And I'm Amanda. <laughs> We've been bullshitting for a little too long, so now we're like, now we're a little weird. punchy. <laughs> now we're weird. <laughs> what fucking week of October is this? Week three? Uh, yes. We doing? Is that? Let me look at the calendar. Yep, we have one more after this of spooky, spooky. Three. Um, what's up? Me? Yeah. No. Um, the other fucking person on our podcast. And who? <laughs> fucking what? Um, <laughs> so full of shit. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm good. I mean, we're just kind of, I'm still trying to settle in. Got my new office behind me slash mm-hmm. in front of me. Um, You know, moved and stuff. What does your sign say? I keep trying to read it. Welcome. Let's oh. talk about serial killers. Oh yeah, let's let's <laughs> let's. That was uh, Jesse's birthday gift to me. That and uh, Death Row Cookbook. So nice. those last meals. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Am I a creep? Is that why I'm getting?" Anytime these? Chris makes you mad, that's what you should make for dinner. Just open it. <laughs> Pick one. What should we have for dinner? <laughs> what should we have for our last meal? <laughs> Or not even say anything, just go into the kitchen, pull the serial killer book out, and just open, open it. it up. <laughs> so that the front is showing. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I was like, I'm going to make an ooky spooky background. This will be further up once I'm actually set up, but we need to like, I need to put like a board or something on my desk so that I can hook my microphone to come in rather than oh. sit right here yeah because then I have to do this <laughs> um but yeah so just kind of settling in very exciting week not really kind of boring and anti-climactic you know the worst kind of climactic I know the anti-kind <laughs> <laughs> how is you how's your week uh house sitting there oh, bud bud <laughs> We don't call each other that. That's weird. Okay, we're going to just go with it. Uh, Are we fighting? <laughs> yeah. How's your week there? Bud. Bud. <laughs> I don't know. Sport, you tell me. <laughs> Sound like a, a stepdad about to have a conversation with me. 
I was thinking it was uh, like an unwanted conversation with me about how he fucks my mother. Well, I was thinking about like <laughs> Hocus Pocus oh. when he's just like, where are you going, little leaguer? <laughs> no! <laughs> Say it. Oh, no. Um, where are you supposed to be? be. A That's- new kid on the block? No, he's a little yeah. He's a <laughs> little leaguer. Little leaguer. <laughs> yeah. I, <did. laughs> I was like, just that little spot is what that bud thing made me think of. Dump out your sack. We want candy bars. No licorice. <laughs> no licorice. <laughs> Anyway, we're uh, just about my week. Um, yeah, what's what's your week like? You know, just working, no twerking. Um, <laughs> you mean you and the blind dog haven't been twerking? <laughs> no, he's very demanding. He's very like he snuffles like a pig because he can't see, so he's like sniffing everything to see. Like he tries to find like his ball, and he'll throw it, and he'll listen for it, and then when he can't find it, he's. <laughs> So I hear that at all hours of the night. And um, that's about my, the state of my life. That's all I've well, done. Very exciting. Sounds like both of us have been just living the dream. <coughs> Excuse me. Excuse you. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I had to cough. Oh, shit. So. I got nothing. I have no exciting stories. My life is boring. I was just thinking today I we went we went to the gym and I had a guy so I like called him well not called him over but I like got his attention I was like are you done with this machine because he still had his weights on it and he just hadn't been on it for a while he goes oh yeah go ahead and I like start piling the weight on the leg machine and he goes probably should have put more weight on that huh (laughs) and I was like oh you're fine (laughs) I love moments like that (laughs) makes me go yeah and crush a watermelon with my thighs <laughs> probably should have put more weight on that huh <laughs> i'm going light it's arm day <laughs> yeah it's arm day i'm i'm trying to like long and lean you know not, <laughs> we're not buffing up you know i don't want to get too buff <laughs> oh for fuck's sake <laughs> it made me laugh <laughs> I didn't know how to respond either. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> throw another one on and get down. Like, you don't look at me, no more eye contact. <laughs> nice. Um, all right. So we got another ooky spooky episode, huh? I Yeah, I don't know what you're doing. You I'm me. doing another haunting story because I liked that. I don't know what the fuck is wrong with us today, but there's been a lot. A lot. <clears throat> uh, I'm sorry, I had to go. <laughs> All right, kid, what do you got? I'm going to tell you because I have a sick fascination. Like, I've realized that when in doing this research, that it might be unhealthy how much I like to research exorcisms. <laughs> I mean, it's and read about that them. Freaks me the fuck out, so I can't read too much about like exorcisms. So that might be there. Might be an issue. I 
it terrifies me and it freaks me the fuck out too. But I just, that's why I find it probably fascinating. Fascinating. So I'm telling you because we both have a favorite horror movie. That we do. And it's The Exorcism of Emily Rose. Bingo. It's an oldie, but it's a goodie. I feel like it's got the perfect amount of scare. It's got a full court case where it's like you get the drama and the suspense, and then it goes back to terrifying the fuck out of you. It's just a. See, and that's why I like it too, because it's not all just like. And it's not gore. No. I'm not a big gore fan. I like this yeah. like suspenseful psychological things. So I decided I was going to tell you the backstory. You know it. But I'm going to talk about the backstory of the the story that that movie was loosely based on, which is the exorcism of Annalise Michelle. Mm-hmm. Um, her name actually was Anna Elizabeth Michelle after her mom. But Elsabeth? they all call yeah L E I S A B E F. I like that. So, but they all called her Anna Elise as like mixing them both. So. <sighs> She was born on the 21st of September in 1952 in Liebling, Bavaria, which is West Germany, mm-hmm. uh, to a devout Roman Catholic family. Um, she was brought up along with her three sisters and by her parents, Josef and Anna. Uh, the family went to mass twice a week. Okay. Uh, Michelle's mother had a child out of wedlock in 1948, which brought such a shame on her family that the day she was on her wedding day, they forced her to wear a black dress. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's a, um, it's a big no, no in the Catholic church. I mean, what isn't a big no, no in the Catholic church again, guys, I'm Catholic, so I can make fun of it. I, you know, (laughs) I don't know. It's, it's extreme. That's for sure. Uh, especially back then. Right. Roman Catholic church, especially in the, 40s 40s and 50s like my mom when she was a little girl if I'm ready remembering this right I think she told us she had they had to wear dresses mm-hmm. and they weren't allowed to go past a certain part in the church because they were female so they had to like bring the Eucharist and stuff to them because oh. females weren't allowed at a certain point or something like that yeah so yeah it was and the whole thing was in Latin their masses were all done in Latin when she was young. <laughs> do they speak Latin? Apparently, I don't. They, I mean, they still do parts of it in Latin, but well, yeah. I could if you play the tune, I can sing the song in Latin. Oh, one of the prayers. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't fucking know. Uh, <laughs> so she spent like the rest of her life trying to atone for her sin. Funny how the man didn't have to atone. Yeah, but it's weird. Okay, that she went to great extremes with her. Uh, piety which is like atonement obviously for right. um, by the time Annalise was born she rejected the reforms of the Catholic Church brought on by the Vatican II so um, around this time that's kind of when they moved from like Latin to English and they like relaxed mm-hmm. some of the benedictions and stuff like that on the Catholic Church modernized it yeah so additionally her father had considered or Annalise's father had become considered becoming a priest and three of her aunts were nuns so like they are just like a family of like, devout devout catholic yeah. <clears throat> as a result Annalise, who was naturally sensitive 
She felt pressured to atone for the sins of others around her, included sleep, including sleeping on the floor as penance for drug addicts who themselves slept on the ground at the train station or elsewhere. And I mean, some of it was pressure, pressured, obviously, from her parents. She had to learn it well, somewhere, right. but some of it was just from her own thoughts and things like that. Mm-hmm. So uh, when she was 16, Annalise began experiencing blackouts. Uh, At first, she would walk around in a trance, unaware of what was do- what she was doing, she- or she would wet the bed. Soon, she was experiencing convulsions. Uh, she experienced a seizure and was diagnosed with psychosis and cons- caused by temporal lobe epilepsy okay so before we go further i'm gonna do a little sidebar here because i feel like everyone knows like the general epilepsy Mm -hmm. it causes seizures but there's like more to it than that and i think it's important to this next the next part of the story so temporal lobe epilepsy is a chronic disorder of the nervous system it's characterized by recurrent unprovoked focal seizures that start Uh, in the temporal lobe of the brain Mm-hmm. Uh, which is why it's called temporal lobe epilepsy. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like I'm feel like I'm reading a book report at this point, but it's important. So bear with me. Um, and they last about one or two minutes. It is the most common form of epilepsy with focal seizures, and focal seizure is in the temporal lobe. It may spread to other areas in the brain, where it then becomes a focal to bilateral seizure. And when it happens, when you get a temporal lobe sur- seizure. Uh-huh. It affects or symptoms depend on the precise location of where it occurs in the brain. Okay. So focal aware seizures, there's different types of focal seizures that she could be having as well. Mm-hmm. So focal aware seizures means that the uh, the level of consciousness is not altered during the seizure. So mm-hmm. she's, she's fully aware, she's fully functioning while a seizure is happening. Okay. And so that's not the general, like my whole body is moving and I'm flopping around seizure. It's you get sensations of deja vu, amnesia, sudden sense of unprovoked fear and anxiety, nausea, Mm -hmm. auditorial, visual, olfactory, hallucinations, hallucinations, uh, visual distortions such as uh, macrophagia, uh, disassociation or derealism, and synthesia, which is so cool. Have you ever heard of that? Synthesia? Yeah. What is it? It's where, I'm sure you've heard of it, but it's where you like, some people are just born with it, where you can taste colors. Okay, hold on. Did you move <clears throat> your laptop just a second ago? Yeah. Like that? Okay. It did that, but I didn't see you move at all. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it went- yeah. <laughs> Okay, anyway, so you can taste colors? It's like where you can taste colors or you can see sound. So it's kind of like a crossover of the senses? Yeah, it's where you're like, you're. so some people are just born with it without having epilepsy. And so like some people will go years without realizing that not everybody when they hear the key E, see an E, a pink green line move through this. Or or like a... Yeah. Yeah, okay, waves. Yeah, so like you can your your senses get screwed up so you can uh taste or smell sounds or see mm-hmm. sounds or there's just a whole bunch of things so when you have it but also when you have a, a temporal lobe epilepsy you can get that as well as as your non whatever seizure the one that doesn't have the actual physical yeah so you okay. can and then it also said that it can cause acute paranoia or like um religious 
can't think of the word not extremism but like like religious paranoia almost that you feel Mm -hmm. like you're and it's part of the so is it basically when you have one of those seizures is it like you take in the world in extreme ways in different ways kind of it's like I mean, you can, it could be just as bad as all of a sudden you get sudden nausea. Okay. You know, it it depends on where it originates in your brain. So just like a variety of symptoms. So you can get all of a sudden I feel very terrified about something and I feel like I'm going to throw up and it lasts one to two minutes and then you feel fine. Okay. Or you can, um, all of a sudden forget what you were doing or forget like where you are, who you are for one or two minutes and then remember Mm -hmm. all of a sudden. And it's, it's not a seizure. That'd be so weird. It, it is, but it, and it's not a seizure as people define it when you think of epilepsy, which is important to right. think about later on in my story. Right. So the other kind is focal impaired awareness, which are, they impair the consciousness, consciousness to some extent. They alter the person's ability to interact normally with the environment, usually begin with, they usually begin with a focal aware seizure. So Mm -hmm. like I start to feel nauseous or I start to feel like I'm being terrified or being followed. And then it goes into the impaired. So you get, that's where your like body locks down. So you get emotion, motionless staring. So like Um, catatonic. Kind of. It's, it's more like you just like stop and are just staring off into space and you're not like, Hey, focus, um, automatic movements of the hands and mouth. So jerking ticks, things like that. Confusion and disorientation, Altered ability to respond to others or slurred speech um, and transient aphasia, which is losing the ability to speak at all. Okay. So you're still not having a grand mall, which is when your body is actually jerking. So you're seizing up and right. So those seizures tend to have a warning aura, which is like the focal aware symptoms before Mm -hmm. you actually have the impaired one. And it's not uncommon for an individual to be very tired and confused after that. Where then what happens if if those seizures get worse or they can spread is where they go to other parts of the brain. And that's when you have a bilateral epilepsy, which is also part of temporal lobe epilepsy. Mm -hmm. And that's when you can, they're they're called generalized seizures or what they used to be for this grand mall. There's another Mm -hmm. brand where another word. Yeah. yeah, The arms, trunk and legs stiffen (laughs) if in either a flexed or extended position and then jerk. Um, they were previously known as grand mal seizures. Mm-hmm. So, okay, those are all symptoms, but it's as it fluctuates or how it happens is dependent upon the actual symptom or reflection of the seizure. Seizure, right? So, keep it in the back. It's important and later on. And the end. This is how we wrap up <laughs> epilepsy corner. <laughs> epilepsy sidebar has now moved on. It's very, it's, it's interesting it's very, though. It's very interesting. If you want to read on it, your brain is, your brain so, is crazy. It's, it's fucking weird. So in June of 1970, Michelle suffered a third seizure at the psychiatric hospital where she had been staying. She was prescribed anti-convulsion drugs for the first time, including Dilatin, um, which did not alleviate the problem. Uh, she began describing seeing devil faces at various times of the day that same month, she was prescribed another drug, Aloalept, which is similar to chlorazepam, um, okay, like a trank almost, and then used in the treatment the treatment of various psychoses, including schizophrenia. Um, and it helps; it's supposed to assist in disturbed behavior and delusions. Okay. So by 1973, she sh- suffered from depression and began hallucinating while praying. Um, there's 
and the, all the while, these drugs that she's on, which are heavy, heavy drugs, are not doing anything to help with her symptoms. Mm-hmm. She um, be, and complained about hearing voices telling her that she was damned and would rot in hell. Her treatment in the psychiatric health hospital did not improve her health and her depression worsened. Uh, long-term treatment did not help either. And she grew increasingly frustrated by the medical intervention, uh, taking pharmaceutical drugs for over five years with no relief. Right. It's like they just keep throwing drugs at me and nothing's helping. And right. I don't know uh, what to do. So despite her diagnosis and struggles, uh, Annalise was able to graduate high school and she joined the University of Würzburg. Um, her classmates later described her as withdrawn and very religious. Okay. So by the time she was 20, she had become intolerant to various religious objects and began to hear voices even stronger. Uh, her condition worsened despite medication and she became suicidal, also displaying other symptoms for which she took medication as well. After taking psychiatric medications for five years and they failed to improve her symptoms, Michelle and her family became convinced she was possessed by a demon. Okay. She went to San Damiano, which is a religious pilgrimage site in Italy or Rome, um, with a family friend who regularly organized Uh, Christian pilgrimages, um, thinking um, the travel and the pilgrimage would lift her spirits. Okay. Uh, However, her escort concluded that she was suffering from demonic possession as well. Because she was unable to walk past a crucifix and refused to drink the water at the Christian Holy Spring. Okay. So Annalise herself claimed she was unable to enter the Holy Shrine. She approached it with the greatest hesitation, then said that the soil burned like fire and she simply could not stand on it. She then walked around the shrine in a wide arc and tried to approach it from the back. Uh, She looked at the people who were kneeling in the area surrounding the little garden and it seemed to her that while praying they were gnashing their teeth uh yeah she got as far as the edge of the garden then she had to turn back coming from the front again she had to avert her glance from the picture of christ she made it several times to the garden but could not get past it she also noted that she could no longer look at the medals or pictures of the saints that they sparkled so immensely with bright light that she could not stand it okay so as of right now, yes, she's on a bunch of drugs, but all of this is is kind of like what they say are the symptoms of, of temporal this. Yeah, of temporal epilepsy. Yeah. So okay. all of these are, it's it's almost like her brain has picked out, because she was raised in such a devout Catholic family, that it's always been an obsession about being good and holy. And, right. And there's a thing called Catholic guilt. <laughs> oh they reference it it's a it's a, it, it goes across the i think christian faiths but it's 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 very heavily catholic based because i was gonna say i don't know lutherans are kind of like you done fucked up go pray right. for a while and... but the the, the good old <laughs> catholic guilt my mom says that still is that like you are you honor the ten commandments you're very holy you're never and you're guilted if you're if you're not mm-hmm. um and so i think that playing in with how devote and how religious to the point where it was almost, I think, obsessive with the family itself. Oh yeah. It seemed um, that way. That it helped, it focused all of her neuroses from the epilepsy into this one thing. Which I'm not saying sense. it's not possible that she wasn't possessed because it, I mean, as we get deeper into this, yeah, 
it starts to get fucking freaky. I, I but, was gonna say that, I mean, knowing the story generally, like, I could see where people are like, wow, she was possessed, but also I'm going like, it makes sense that in your brain, when this is the focus of your life, that when you start having this uh, mental illness, that that's what it would focus on and turn it against you because that's just kind of what it does. So I can right. see on both spectrums at this point where it could be either. Right. So Michelle or Michelle and her family became convinced and consulted several priests that she was possessed asking for an exorcism. However, the priests declined, uh, recommended the continuation of medical treatment and informed the family that exorcisms were required by the bishop's permission. So Mm -hmm. the Catholic church requires, I believe at this point you had to, you had to go to an archbishop and get that approval. And then that archbishop Mm -hmm. would assign the priest to do the exorcism. Yeah. So at this point, the priests are saying you need to continue medical treatment. We're not going to give you an exorcism. So the pre a priest, uh, Father Ernst Alt, whom she met with her parents on seeing her, declared that she didn't look like an epileptic, and that he did not because he did not see her having seizures. Okay. So well, he that's yeah. Uh, he believed she was suffering from demonic possession and urged the local bishop to allow an exorcism. In a letter to Alt in 1975, Michelle wrote, I am nothing. Everything about me is vanity. What should I do? I have to improve. You pray for me. I want to suffer for other people, but this is so cruel. Okay. So, again, it sounds like someone who has been, has is emotionally unstable because of the Mm -hmm. amount of like it's just not a good mix of environment and medical I think history or medical right issues at this point um when you hit a point where we can pause I really have to pee all the water dude I gotta pee too okay I'm like all the water from the gym just hit me (laughs) back in it to win back in from the pee break all right so dude I was like sitting there like okay I'm starting to sweat I gotta go (laughs) well and when we had before we had started I'm like I really gotta pee I'm like no she's gonna give me shit for having to pee so we're just gonna wait (laughs) you know the worst thing is is I had to pee when we were about to start too I "I better not say anything because she's gonna be like I'm the one who always has to pee (laughs) we are two alike and I was like you know what I'm just gonna hold out and then I was like I fuck it I can't I can't I can't, I can't. <laughs> I just had to throw Banjo's ball because he kept bumping me with it okay so we're back into it in September of that same year so 1973 I believe 1973 that's the same year that The Exorcist came out yes woo um Bishop Bishop Joseph Stangle, Stangle, whatever, uh, granted the priest Arnold Rhines uh, permission to exercise according to the ritual Romanum of 1614. Again, this is the 1973, and it hasn't been updated since 1614. Mm-hmm. Uh, but ordered total secrecy because that was also a thing about the Catholic Church is that for the longest time all of the exorcism dictates and exorcism rites were completely under wraps completely secret unless they were exorcists yes so ranks performed the first session on september 24th 1975 at this point her parents stopped consulting doctors altogether on her request and relied solely on the exorcism rights 
So she was still taking medication at this point mm-hmm. while they were doing exorcists. Um, and in the movie, it t- says that they told her to stop taking it. Mm-hmm. At no point did they tell her to stop taking it. Okay. So, so that, that is one thing, but she does. She right. herself decides to stop taking all the medications. Okay. So over the course of nine months, for sessions lasting up to four hours were held once or twice per week. Okay, Snuffleupagus, you got to go lay down because you're snorting and snuffling in the microphone. I'm busy. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> like, geez, fine. <laughs> so they were held once or twice a week in an attempt to drive out Judas, who identified himself in one of the exorcisms, mm-hmm. um, and other demons out of Annalise Michelle. Okay. So Father Ryan's allowed some of the sessions to be recorded and some 42 hours of audio of the exorcism of Annalise Michelle exists. Do you want to hear some? No, that free I mean we probably should for the for this, but like I hate it. I might take I, my headphones off. Dude, I hate it too. I don't like it. I'm I've totally heard it on like bits and blurbs of like youtube things about exorcism because it's like dude don't (laughs) you scared me because i hadn't hit play yet daddy you scared me daddy you scared me oh p.s sidebar again uh when justin rimmel from mysterious podcast he went to what where did he go um uh it's some Oh, like in Indiana. It's like an insane yeah. asylum. Yep. Um, he was doing a live and he uh-huh. turned the lights off and it was just those red glowing exit signs in the hallway. And I said I would nope the fuck out of there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and on the live, he's like, Don't be a little pussy, Christine. I'm like, you don't understand, Daddy. You scared me. <laughs> you scared me. <laughs> it's like put that little clip in there. No, yeah. look. No. No, and I imagine you and I both would be like, nope, nope. <laughs> okay, hold on. I gotta find a good one. Well, not a good one. You know what I mean. Stop it now. No more. No more. I hate the guttural growling in between where it's like. I just want to hear from them anyway. I don't like it. That growl. I hate it. I don't. No. Okay. So we're just gonna, if you wanna, if you wanna listen, there's 42 hours out there. Go ahead. But I can't anymore. I can't. It's.
I don't like it. It is gross. So, uh, Michelle's voice on the recordings obviously is inhuman and demon-like. I mean, Amanda obviously has mocked it, so you kind of Amanda can kind of do it. Don't do it. Stop it. But <laughs> stop it. I don't like it. Uh, <laughs> but it does. It still sounds. It sounds different. Like it's not. I don't know. I just. Well, I don't like it. Of it that sound like it's that two tone sound. Yes, that's where... what I was trying to find, but I don't want to listen to it that long. Uh-uh, <laughs> no. And that's that's when it gets really fucking weird because, yeah, it sounds inhuman and gross and gross and gross. It's gross. <laughs> so during the session, she gurgles, growls, hisses, spits, uh, swears constantly in between sessions of Judas and Hitler arguing. So it's like different voices arguing back and forth, are identifying themselves as Judas and Hitler. And explicating the like the terrors that have happened in hell. Yuck. Uh, even as Annalise wasted away physically, she exhibited what witnesses described as superhuman strength, and her behavior would become so violent that she would have to be held down or chained to her chair or otherwise restrained so that the priest would be able to continue performing their rites. Gross. Uh, it was around this time that Annalise broke all of the bones in her knees and ripped all of the tendons from kneeling and genuflecting so much. But it wasn't all at the behest of the priests. Like, she would do it almost compulsively. Right. They weren't there either. Which, again, sounds like something that could be a symptom to this temporal epilepsy where they have those um, body he said jerks and stuff where it's not necessarily seizing right but they have like ticks okay this is where like things start to it would start to get weird like she was reported to have bit the head off a bird that flew into her window Gross. um she was found repeatedly eating spiders and bugs and there was an uh unexplainable amount of spiders and bugs that would crawl into her room gross um like there were she would um vomit uncontrollably she would like lock up which is obviously signs of epilepsy and contort um her face would contort Mm -hmm. um there was like she would like sit in a position with like her back hunched and just like gurgle and grumble in the corner Mm -hmm. um and then there would be hours upon hours of her where she would just sit motionless like no matter what they did they couldn't get her to like unlock herself or like uh-huh. become aware so uh it's really fucked up yeah uh, i mean it's not great right um and it wasn't actually the exorcisms themselves that killed annalise so her sense of responsibility to atone for the sins of her generation did not end Uh, just because of the constant exorcism ritual she kept that was a a theme that would run through any conversation she had when she wasn't possessed or like right when she was like almost herself uh she began talking about the possibility of sacrificing her own life on behalf of the rebellious youth and sinful priests she considered to be plaguing the modern era 
by this point, she had requested not to be treated medically for her epilepsy any longer, relying fully on the priest's exorcisms and had stopped eating altogether, planning to starve herself to death to atone for the sins of others. So the last day of the exorcism rite occurred on June 30th of 1976. Uh, at this time, Annalise was suffering from pneumonia. She was emaciated, running a high fever, and unable to physically perform the genuflections uh, that were part of the exorcism ritual by herself. Uh, her last words to the exorcist were, beg for absolution. And to her mother, she said, mother, I'm afraid. Mm. On July 1st, 1976, Michelle died in her home. The autopsy report stated the cause was malnutrition and dehydration due to being in a semi-starvation date for almost a year mm -hmm. while the rites of exorcism were performed. She weighed 30 kilograms, just over 68 pounds. Oh my gosh, she was literally a skeleton. Mm -hmm. Suffering broken knees and contusions from the genuflections. She was unable to move without assistance and uh, the pneumonia was like eating away at her lungs. Mm -hmm. After an investigation, the state prosecutor maintained that um, Anna's death could have been prevented even one week before she died. Uh, in 1976, the state charged her parents and priests, uh, Friar Ernst Alt and Arnold Rains, with neg negligent homicide. Okay. Uh, this trial started on March 30th of 1978 in the district court and drew intense interest. Before the court, doctors testified that she was not possessed, stating that this was a psychological effect because of her strict religious upbringing and her epilepsy. But the doctor, uh, Richard Roth, who was asked for medical help by Alt, so there was a priest there, mm -hmm. or there was a doctor that attended the exorcisms. Yep allegedly told her during the exorcism that there is no injection against the devil Annalise. So I, I do feel that the doctor didn't think it was epilepsy either. Right. Um, the parents were defended by Eric Schmidt Leichner there who were sponsored by the Catholic church <clears throat> and said that the exorcism was legal and that the German constitution protected citizens in the unrestricted exercise of their religious beliefs. Uh, the defense played tapes recorded at the exorcism sessions, sometimes featuring what was claimed to be demons arguing to assert their claim that Michelle was possessed. Both priests said the demons identified themselves as Lucifer. Uh, Caitlin, every time. Um, <laughs> Sorry, and now it's connected to my phone. My computer is, so now I gotta, hold on. It's right in the middle of the good part. I just got a text that says bitch. Hold on. <laughs> there. Okay. So both priests said the demons identified themselves as Lucifer, Cain, Judas, Iscariot, Belial, Legion, and Nero. Among others, they further said that she was finally freed because of the exorcism just before her death. Okay. The bishop said that he was not aware of her alarming health condition when he approved of the exorcism and did not testify. Uh, the accused were found guilty of manslaughter resulting from negligence and were sentenced to six months in jail, uh, which was suspended because they were held in jail during the trial. So, okay. Uh, and three years of probation. It was a far lighter sentence than anticipated, but it was more than requested actually by the prosecution. 
So the prosecution had actually just asked that the priest be fined and that the parents be found guilty, but not punished. Okay. The church approved such an old fashioned exorcism, right? Do the fact that the church approved such an uh, old fashioned exorcism, right? Drew public and media attention. So we'll get to that. After the trial, the parents asked the authorities for permission to exhume the remains of their daughter. The official reason presented to the, by the parents to authorities was that Michelle had been buried in undue hurry in a cheap coffin, but they also claimed that proof of her body not decomposing would prove that she was possessed. Okay. So almost two years after the burial, her remains were replaced in a new oak coffin lined with tin. The official reports state that the body bore the signs of consistent deterioration Okay. Um, the accused exorcists were discouraged from seeing the remains of Michelle. Um, Arnold, Arnold Rines later stated that he had been prevented from entering the mortuary and her grave has now become a pilgrimage site. Okay. So that is the end of that, but I just have one little thing I want to touch on about this case. Okay. So, um, the Catholic Church revised the right of exorcism in January of 1999. That, that so, long after. Right. From 1614 to 1999 is when they finally revised it. Uh, though the traditional right of exorcism in Latin with all of its components is still allowed as an option. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, um, now there are very strict guidelines and rules Uh, So solemn exorcisms, according to the canon law of the church, can only be exercised or ordained by a priest uh, with the express permission of the local bishop who has to obtain permission from Rome. Mm -hmm. Uh, And only after careful medical examination has been done that excludes the possibility of mental illness. Right. So they have to see a psychiatrist or a psychologist and they both have and they have to say you do not have a mental illness right before they'll even look at it as being an exorcism um since demonic possessions are considered they are but they are believed to occur obviously from the catholic church part of the faith but they are considered extremely rare Mm -hmm. and mental health issues are often mistaken for demonic possession the Vatican requires that each diocese have a specially trained priest who is able to diagnose demonic possession and perform exorcisms when necessary. So wherever you are in your Catholic diocese, there is an exorcist. <laughs> right. Within, within driving distance. Within driving dis- distance. Um, things listed in the Roman ritual as being indicators of possible demonic possession are now speaking foreign language or ancient language of which the possessed has no prior knowledge, supernatural abilities and strength, knowledge of hidden or remote things, which the possessed has no way of knowing and aversion to anything holy and profuse blasphemy and or sacrilege. Mm -hmm. And that's when they do those like tests, like where they offer them a bottle of water to drink and they actually like had blessed it and it's holy water. And if they refuse to take it, um, Mm -hmm. they're like, and then it's unknown to them that it's holy water or that sort of thing. Right. Okay. So as the demand for exorcisms increased over the past few decades, the number of trained exorcists has also risen. They actually opened an exorcism school in Rome and in 
instead of time, instead of like previously they were kept anonymous and everything was secret, they actually opened the school to anyone of any faith that wants mm-hmm. to learn from the Roman or the Roman Catholic about their exorcism rites. Mm-hmm. So you could technically go as a student and learn about the exorcism rites from the Catholic uh-huh it, exorcism school uh, you know another horror movie the right the right yeah um, which is also with anthony hopkins in that movie is uh-huh fucking top notch just right and then what's that one where the woman um does this thing and she has the upside down oh that's the, the um lip. and it's a girl's mom and she goes to the exorcism class just to like for her yeah. own sake to try to like investigate and see i can't remember which one. Oh, that was my pop can i can't remember. <laughs> but i can't remember which one i imagine yes so some exorcists attribute the rise in demand of exorcisms to the rise in drug abuse and violence which leads to suggestion that such things work hand in hand <coughs> bath salts well that and the more evil in the world the mm-hmm. more demons are present mm-hmm. kind of thing um so many times when i when i was reading this uh one of the i got some of this information from one of the main it's actually the movie the right is based off of one of the main priests who have who has very well studied and very well he knows a fucking lot i'm trying to think of like the smart word and i can't think of it he knows a fucking lot about exorcisms um expert no it's not (laughs) um So what he said is many times a person just needs spiritual or medical help, especially if drugs or other addictions are present. Um, The specially trained priest and medical professionals should be able to work together to address the patient and be able to determine what type of illness the patient is suffering from. After the need of the person has been determined, then the appropriate help will be met. In the circumstances of spiritual help, prayers may be offered or the laying of hands or a counseling session may be prescribed. So what he said is that the priests are supposed to work hand in hand with a psychologist mm-hmm. and they're supposed to, so they, if a person believes that they are possessed, like the priest can still pray with them or lay hands on them and say prayers for them and, and try and make them feel that it's being alleviated through prayer without doing a full on exorcism. Right. right. It'd be very taxing and draining on someone. Right. Sometimes it's just that need of feeling cleansed. Yes. So, I mean, like, because you can have a priest come and bless your home mm-hmm. without having to, like, be like, there's demons in it. You can exercise just, it. The body of, or the power of Christ compels you. No, sorry. Oh, so, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is the story. I don't know if she was possessed. I feel that a lot of it was, it's just, it's, it gets to a point where I'm like, oh, that's epilepsy, that's epilepsy, and then I go, she bit the head off what? <laughs> but I mean, there's, what are they called? In um, freak shows, there's geeks that literally just bite the heads off of baby chickens. Like, well, I know. Their, but I mean, you know, they're they're like fully conscious and know what they're doing. Whereas she, I just, I feel like she wasn't at that point. And then yeah. the same was like, why was there an, like, like they said that there was an extra amount of bugs that they would find in a room. Like, where the fuck were those coming from? Why were they, right. you know, why was she eating a handful of spiders? Why the fuck is there a handful of spiders in her room? You know? <laughs> hey, how'd you get that handful of spiders, lady? <laughs> hey, where'd that come from? You know, it's things like right. that where I'm like, 
you add in that weird shit and it's like was she possessed mm-hmm. that like like she wasn't crazy like she may have had epilepsy but well and it's like her symptoms could have been attributed to ex like not exorcism <laughs> to epilepsy um but like like you said the external things like the excessive amount of bugs and that sort of stuff where it's like why is this getting like uh why are they attracted to this area to her yeah. to, and she oh, bit the head off what now you know <laughs> yeah. like, like i just i keep coming back to that you bit i'm sorry she she did she did what <laughs> yeah you know, know it's just and then like when you hear it and there's like 40 some hours of the deep guttural voices and growls that are it's stop it why do you do it i say growl and then you do it and it's creepy i don't like it quit it <laughs> i refuse it's creepy season i refuse okay stop it don't you don't it quit don't. it quit it okay don't look at me banjo i mean you're not yeah. looking at me you're fucking blind hey thanks <laughs> you were busy i was busy <laughs> too busy for my compliment no i just threw the ball it'll take him a while to find it so we got <laughs> we got some time we got some time uh yeah oh i was going to ask so you said that the priest was not aware of her medical conditions because you the said her serious bishop. the bishop was not so did they just like neglect to tell him about that or that so, they the bishop didn't testify, so he wasn't, like, asked. Well, he wasn't under oath or anything, and he wasn't, yeah, he wasn't, like, questioned on the stand. Mm-hmm. But when he was interviewed, he said that he wasn't aware of her full, like, like medical history. Yeah. And the severity of her medical history when he approved the exorcism. Huh. Well, I feel like that's something you should dig into before you say yeah. Exactly, which is why now it's required now that it's they have. Now it's a big deal. Yeah, like it's it's part of the the right itself is that God. we need I need medical clearance that she's not it's not only that she's of sound like she doesn't have a a mental illness or something that could be causing all of these effects, but it's also that they're physically healthy enough to withstand exorcism right. Mm-hmm. That right. it's not it won't be a strain on their body or their Yeah, there's also like like you said, it also, you're supposed to have, like, a medical professional present to, like, keep vitals and... Yeah. So, I just named this, um, like, the story of Dave Murphy, but technically, it's the haunting of multiple security guards at this theater, but he was, like, the main source of his story, so... Okay. So... Oh, you punched it. I was like, what was that sound? <laughs> also, if I turn this just a little bit wait for it jesus <laughs> what, who's that that's the queen i was gonna say why is the queen over there i'm in the house of a traitor <gasps> oh no my aunt has like mad jack flags everywhere she's got fucking queen elizabeth just hanging out in the corner <laughs> she's all about the royals huh apparently um <laughs> don't think that hasn't scared me a couple of times in the night when I woke up and like wake up what the fuck is, <laughs> what the fuck is creepy grandma doing in the corner 
hi honey <laughs> can you imagine if I hadn't told you that and I just slowly turned my camera and I like we had wide eyes and I was like <laughs> why the fuck is there a grandma in the corner <laughs> why the fuck is there a grandma in the corner you said that you were dog sitting and house sitting not grandma sitting <laughs> why'd you put her in the corner <laughs> I'm in the house of a traitor <laughs> all right so Dave Murphy had just become a police officer in 2006 and he was in Salt Lake City. His position was like county security buildings. So he was the police officer that went and did like the walkthroughs in different county buildings, um, like courthouses and stuff at night to basically just make sure nobody's like squatting and whatever. So it's he's like a security guard, but he's actually a police officer from the county. So he has okay. like a handgun and all that stuff that he needs. So he's like Paul Blart mall cop with a gun. He's like Paul Blart mall cop, but actually a cop. (laughs) So, (laughs) uh, but yeah, so he was uh, assigned to be at the Capital City Theater. That was his assigned quarters to like walk through at night. Uh, It was a 1900s theater. So it was old basically like a almost a museum at that point where they had like office space up there people would come and do theater plays but it wasn't like an excess amount of uh theatrical performances happening there uh so in early august dave started his job at that theater and that's when he met his partner morgan matthews um david said that he was a very serious guy very down to business didn't really joke around too much when he first met him he was like "Mm, this guy's kind of you mean partner like his cop partner or like his butt buddy uh cop partner like he met his partner at work that he went to (laughs) i'm just making sure i mean i thought that was a given when i was like started his job and met his partner (laughs) well you could start your job and meet your future husband it's true it's true most people don't say just butt buddy partner but i mean (laughs) future husband would have probably made more sense <laughs> they might have been butt buddies i don't know <laughs> to each their own you know whatever i just wanted to make sure i was on the same page and i know where we were going forward because the story could be a lot weirder if it was just his cop partner i just want to make sure i knew what was going on i'm sure that's what you wanted <laughs> sassy don't fucking judge me i'm serious i'm being serious all right So when Dave starts his job, Morgan's already been working there for a while. So he's the one who like basically showed him what to do, trained him in. Uh, Morgan brings Dave to the control room, which is on the very first floor. This building has three floors. So first, second, third, and then it has a basement. Okay. Okay. Um, Inside the control room, there was the security monitors, but all of the cameras were still very low quality. They hadn't been updated for a while, and it was 2006, so it was, like, already not as high-tech as everything now. So it's just shitty CCTV footage. Basically, they, from everything that I read, it, it sounded like they basically couldn't see anything when lights weren't on. Like, it was just, there wasn't any infrared happening. There was no, it was just dark, and then they'd have to go turn the lights on to like check things for their physical checks so uh inside the control room i already said that so let's just go ahead and go to the next bullet uh (laughs) after showing him the control room morgan takes dave on the rounds so every day when you start your shift and when you end your shift you do the routine of checking the monitors and then 
every floor, you basically check the doors to make sure they're either locked or empty, you know, just security stuff. So when Dave gets to the basement, because they start at the bottom and work their way up, okay? Okay. So they, they get to the basement and it's just huge. It's like this big, long hall corridor thing that is lined with doors. So um, super long, can't see to the end of the hall when it's dark at all. Okay. And in the very center, there was a piano uh, and no lights to speak of. So Dave recalls that the basement gave him like the willies. So when he said the first time he walked down there, he basically was just like creeped out by the basement. He got that like sense of someone's here, but you couldn't see anybody there. Dude, most people get creeped out by the basement. I know. Well, in this one, it was just so big, like you couldn't see anything and all the doors were shut. So it's like, what's behind the doors. So I can see where that would give you the creeps, even if there wasn't anything weird happening. Right. Like, Um, I don't don't like it. (laughs) I don't either. So they walk down the hall and they check each door to make sure that it's locked. So they like check the door locked, locked, locked. Right. Um, they do very similar things throughout the rest of the building and then they return to the control room. So it was pretty uneventful when they did their very first check for him to show him through the rounds. Right. Uh, Dave said that Morgan seemed really cold and didn't really share much about himself when <clears throat> they first met. Cause he was, he was assuming that they do their rounds and then sit down when they're doing their actual monitor watching mm-hmm. that they would like get to know each other, you yeah. know, like chat since they're going to be partners working together but he didn't seem very open to that. So uh, Morgan left in a hurry at the end of the night too. So Dave's like, he like clocked out and was out. Like we didn't say bye, didn't do anything. He just like took off. Yeah. He's like, I want to get the fuck out of here. Exactly. So Dave would say that later. Okay. So later Dave would say that it seemed like Morgan hated being there and in the end, I mean, he's right, but that was like his initial thought was, wow, he really just ducked right out. He must hate it here. Yeah. Um, for two or so days after that, the two of them would do their rounds together when usually when there's two of them, it would be one goes and does the rounds. The other one goes and does the next, like the next round. Um, but for the next few days, they kind of did it together as he was being trained. And on August 9th, Morgan suggested that Dave do the round, the ending rounds of security by himself. He's like, why don't you go try to do it? I'll watch you on the monitors and we'll make sure that you like check everything the way it's supposed to be checked. Okay. So Dave starts doing it. He goes to the basement, first floor, which is also the auditorium. Um, the second floor, which is up in the balcony. Mm-hmm. And then he goes to the third floor. And at the very final room, um, it's a, a rehearsal room. So they have like offices, they have prop rooms, and then there's this big rehearsal room at the end of the hall. Mm-hmm. Um, and this door, uh, this like, this room had no door, so it was always open. So they just would go in and like take a little peek around, turn the light on and mm-hmm. go back. Um, so he turns on the light and he steps in, glances around. Uh, no one is there. He doesn't see anything. So he turns the lights off. And as he begins to turn around, the door across the hallway from him, which was a bathroom, slams shut, like super fucking loud. You see him on the, on this like screen, the guy that was watching the monitor, he like jumped up. And the first thing he thinks is that someone ran out of this bathroom and is running down the hallway now. Cause it's all dark. Like he can barely see anything, you know? Right. So he's like, 
all right. He goes running down the hallway to see if he can catch this. He radios Morgan at the control room and Morgan sees nobody on camera. He's like, there's no one else up there in the hallway to speak of. But Dave draws his weapon and is like ready in case someone shows up. While Morgan is waking his way up to the third floor to meet him to do another check and have backup, um, <clears throat> David has this like realization that the person could have ran into the bathroom. Like he didn't even think about that at first. Yeah. He was like, oh shit, there's probably somebody in the bathroom. That's why it didn't show they didn't show up on the hallway monitor, you know. Mm-hmm. So he goes to the bathroom door, he holds his weapon on it until Morgan gets there. Um and Dave hold on I got ahead of myself I started telling the the story without looking at my notes and I'm like wait what did I want to say um uh but the weirdest part about that is that this door was actually made not to be able to slam it had one of those spring shuts where it like slowly shuts so it doesn't make a lot of noise since it's in an auditorium you don't want any of them to like slam when there's a show or something happening so it like can't slam shut but it slammed shut to where he jumped and it was so loud that it made him think someone had physically done it. So he was like, I, I don't really know what's like going it. on. Mm-hmm, don't mm-hmm. like this. Don't like it at all. Uh-huh. So he aims at the door while he waits for Morgan. And then when he gets there, they, they make entry into the bathroom, obviously. Uh, they clear it. Nobody's there. And so they're like, well, they had to have been leaving then. They had to have jumped out and ran. So... They have to do the whole building sweep again together and actually open up the doors and look to make sure instead of just like making sure they're locked, like, because mm-hmm. that was supposed to be shut and locked too, the bathroom, because they lock everything up at the end of the night. So they do all that and the third floor is all locked up um, and they start moving down to the second floor. First. Okay. So when they move down to the second floor, all the lights are on, even though Dave was like, I know that I didn't leave them on. Like I turned them okay. off as I was doing my rounds because that's what they do. Um, um, so they move in with caution and not only were the lights on, but all of the doors were open that are no. usually shut and locked. Yeah. So they're like, okay, <laughs> something's up. They clear the floor. Nothing's there. Move to the first floor, which should have been locked and shut down basically. And it was pretty much the same. There wasn't, it was just the second floor. All the doors were open and the lights were on. Um, and they go to the basement and nothing. There's no movement, no nothing. So they go back to the control room to review the footage to see if they're, they see anybody moving. Cause they're like, well, they wanted to physically do it before they went back just in case there was somebody in the building. Mm-hmm. They're like, okay, well, we'll look. But all the camera can see that's in the hallway is like shot straight down the hallway so you can see Dave looking into the door, but you can't actually see the doors because they're like indented. Yeah. So you can't really see the door slamming shut, um, but you can hear it on the video. And so they see him turn on the light, turn off the light, and then they hear the slam and his reaction to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so they sweep one more time because they're like, this something's fucked up, like something's weird. And they just chalk it up to some weird noises. Maybe something was like, caught and it just suddenly like let loose and slammed the door like in the mm-hmm. little spring thing they're like okay weird noises and they leave because this was the closing round right so they ended up staying late and everything um fast forward to a few days later and morgan is working by himself because dave has the day off 
Mm-hmm. And at some point he begins hearing what he thinks sounds like whispers behind him. Um, so he draws his weapon because he assumes that there's a a human there. Mm-hmm. So he draws his weapon and he goes into the hallway that's behind him where he thinks it's coming from. And he said that every time he got closer to it, it seemed like the whispers were moving away from him. So it, he followed them all the way down the hallway and then to the staircase that is like, okay, so the stairs... It goes one way is you go to the basement. The other way you go up to the second floor, right? So he follows him to this. That's how stairs work. I know. It's weird. Well, (laughs) some places have them like in different places for the different things. So that's how it's set up for this. And so he gets there and it sounds (laughs) like. Thank you for explaining to me how stairs work. (laughs) You're welcome. So he gets there and he hears the whispering still. And it sounds like it's coming from the basement. I just hate this. Uh, (laughs) then he gets to the very top of the basement stairs and he hears what sounds like coughing from down there. So he really is like, okay, there's somebody down there. Cause it's like audible. Like he can tell that Mm -hmm. it's gotta be a physical something. So he gets pretty freaked out at that point. It's, he said that he's like genuinely scared to go down there because he's afraid there's going to be a human just like right there ready just to attack, hanging right? out <clears throat> right so he slowly walks down the stairs with his weapon drawn still and he hits the very entry like doorway of the stair or of the basement and the coughing suddenly just stops and he's like oh shit they know mm-hmm. that i'm right here it's stopping so he slowly like turns goes around checks his corners nothing he walks down the hallway and checks all the doors and nothing um then he gets to the very end of the hallway and he smells what he says it smells like something was burning so he could smell smoke um and it seemed like it was coming from the very end door at that hallway so he unlocks it he goes in there's no fire no smoke what whatsoever so he's like uh i still smell it he checks the other doors in the hallway and there's nothing um and then all of a sudden the smell disappears as he's walking down so he's like okay maybe i'm just smelling things weird but all right uh so he checks uh, the other things, <clears throat> and still he can't find anything out of the ordinary. So he thinks he's imagining things and goes back upstairs and watches the monitors. Like, what else do you do? You know. Mm-hmm. So on September fourth, which is about a month after Dave had started, um, he shows up to his shift early, and like half hour, forty five minutes early, and he walks through the theater, and the day staff was still there, which are usually gone by the time they get there at five, because their like shift is usually like five to like I want to say five to three in the morning or something like that. Anyway, they said it in some of the things, but so he walks in, and the staff is still there. The three of them are sitting and talking with each other. Um, while he walks past them, Dave overhears one of them talking about the ghosts in the theater. And so Dave's just like, oh, what the hell? I mean, I've had some weird things happen. Uh, So he walks over and he introduces himself. And the man that was talking about the ghosts, his name was Blair Fuller. He was like a bookkeeper for the um, theater. And Dave says, says, you know, I've had some experiences. Like, what have you experienced? What are your stories? And Blair is just like, well, let's go upstairs to my office and I'll kind of tell you some of the things that I've experienced. So they Mm -hmm. go upstairs and they're sitting in his office. And Blair says, a couple of years ago, he was in his office. It was like 9, 10 at night. He was staying late to finish something up. And he heard the elevator turn on. Uh, He assumed that it had to be the security guys that were there, right? 
Right. <clears throat> so he, and he shared a wall with the elevator. So it wasn't like he imagined the sound of the elevator starting because he heard the engine like kick on. Right. So he's sitting there, doesn't think too much of it, but realizes what time it is and is like, okay, so it has to be security. So he watches out the window because his office has this like wall window into like the corridor outside of the offices. Mm -hmm. So he watches out his window and looks at the elevator doors to see who's there. And he sees the light of the elevator go like one, two, three, like it's coming up. So he sees it moving and then the doors get there, they open and nobody's in there. Blair's like, okay, well maybe there's like maintenance going on that I don't know about, whatever. I'm not going to think too much of it. And he goes back to work. But not too long after the elevator had gotten there and opened up, the elevator alarm started going off, the one that signals that something's in the doorway, not letting it shut. Mm -hmm. And he looks up and it's still just an empty elevator sitting there. And he's just like, oh, okay, so that's weird. Don't um, that. Confused, he walks out and over to the elevator to see what the heck is going on. And he like walks into the elevator to look at the buttons and he said that there was an obvious change in temperature. Like it was much colder in the elevator than it was outside of it. And he, standing there, all of a sudden the doors just, the alarm goes off and the door shut. No. As he like got into the elevator. And he, and he said like, you know, most people would panic and try to get out. And he goes, for whatever reason, I just kind of stayed in there. Like, I was like, huh, I wonder what this is going to do. <laughs> huh. What's going to happen here? So... That's when he sees the elevator light for the basement, like the button light right. up, like somebody pressed the button to the basement and right. he's like watching this happen. He didn't do it. And it brings him all the way down. Um, it stops at the basement and the doors open and he steps out and yells, Hey, anyone down here? Because it's like, obviously somebody must have pressed a button down here or something. Um, and so where the elevator is in the basement, it's right next to that piano that's in the center between these two hallways, right? Mm -hmm. So he <laughs> so he, he lands in the center and he looks one way and there's nothing there. And then he turns to look the other way and there's nothing there. Um, he's a little flabbergasted at this point and he quick jumps back into the elevator. He's like, I jump back into the elevator and he frantically pushes three, 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 door closed, door closed, door closed, door closed, <sighs> trying to get the fuck out of there because he's like, what the hell, something, this is weird, okay? Right. So he makes his way back to his office. He sits down trying to uh, rationalize what just happened. He's like, maybe it's, you know, again, maintenance. Maybe there's something, maybe it's set to do that. I'm not here this late usually. I don't really know. I don't Some fucking know. Right. He's like something, maybe this is just normal and I just am unaware of it. Right. Mm -hmm. So, and as he's lost in his thoughts, he hears banging coming from outside his office, like mm. bang, bang, bang. No. Um, yeah. So he peeks out and the large filing cabinet that's like on the wall next to his office, um, all the drawers are pulled out and slowly one by one, they're getting slammed shut on their own slam slam he go and he's like when he walked into his office they were just normal They're, they weren't pulled out they weren't whatever so that all happened while he was sitting in his office trying to figure out why the elevator was being weird no um I don't like so this. he sees this and he goes over to the cabinets because he's got balls of steel mm -hmm. and 
he starts like trying to debunk it. He's like literally pulling out the drawers and seeing if they'd like fall shut. Like if they got pulled out somehow and you know, and nothing, you have to physically push them shut in order for them to shut and clasp. So uh, after that, he straight up just grabbed his stuff and left and he refused to work at night ever since then. If when everybody else is leaving, he will not stay there by himself. Um, uh, I wouldn't want to either. Fuck I know. that. I know. And he's like, and I tried everything that I could to try to make it make sense. And there was like no way of explaining any of it. No, fuck that. So, <laughs> so Dave then tells Blair about their stories about the slamming door behind him and all of that. Um, and this opened up kind of a a box of confessions from Morgan because Morgan when he went back down, when David went back down to meet Morgan in the control room, he was like, hey, so Blair had these experiences and I've had these experiences. And Morgan just like let all of his like random things that had happened to him out to Dave. Um, He told Dave about that night that um, before he had a second person with him, he always felt like he was being watched and kind of had that like someone else is in the room feeling, even though nobody was there. And Morgan also told him about that smoke smell story. Uh, Dave had an idea and he wanted to invite like one of his really good friends to come and tour the building because he was like, I want someone from outside of here to come and see if anything happens. That way it's like not just us sitting here in the dark and having these getting bored and our minds are making things up, right? Do you see how this, my face is just this face of disgust this entire time? Right, just this grimace. I don't like it. No, no, I don't want it. No, um, um, no. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. No, I agree. So Dave calls his friend Greg. (coughs) Excuse me. There's no excuse for you. (laughs) So Greg was surprised to get the offer, but he accepted because it sounded really interesting. So he's like, sure. I mean, I'm into like history and whatever. So he's like, sure, I'm into it. Sure, what's that? Whatever. So that next day, Greg comes and basically comes at the same time their shift starts, and they kind of show him around, give him a little bit of a tour, and eventually they made it down, like they went down to the basement, and Dave turns the light on, and as like it's that so he turns the light on, and as soon as this happened, Morgan and Dave see one of the doors on the left hallway at the very end is left open so they walk down they do their like checks down to make sure nobody's around and one of the doors is open that isn't supposed to be granted it's happened before people just forgot to shut the door or something so Mm -hmm. either way they draw their weapon and they kind of put greg behind them so that he's not like in range of fire right and they start making their way down the hallway to just make sure because i'm i'm you know I'm wondering with how much they do that. I wonder if it's a regular occurrence for people to like try to squat in this mm-hmm. this theater, you know, like they come in for a tour and then like hide. So the way that they react, it makes me think that maybe it's a regular thing that people are just there. Yeah. Um, but so they make their way down the hallway and when they get to that door, they are about to pull it open enough to like look into it. And as they go to open the door, it slams shut like in front of them as they're about to grab the handle. Cause it was like just kind of open. So they were going to open it to go in mm-hmm. and all three of them, every single man watched this happen in front of 
them, like right in front of their eyes, go to grab it and it shuts on its own. Um, the door handle then starts like aggressively rattling mm-hmm. right in front of them. Like somebody's just like shaking it. Uh, Dave and Morgan are like, okay, it's freaky, but it's our job. So we need to go in there and make sure that there's not a person in there trying to like evade us. Mm-hmm. So they like get it open they go in. Greg follows them because he is not staying in that fucking hallway by himself. Nope. Fuck um, <laughs> so they get in there and there's nobody in there. Um, the two police officers hear Greg gasp. And then he said, there's someone in the corner. So they quick turn and put their uh-huh. flashlights on it because they didn't even like turn on the lights. They quick turn, and put their flashlights on it. And there's nobody there. And Greg, like at this point, is just like, I literally just saw somebody there. There was somebody there. He's feeling like he's losing his mind now. Um, So they lock up the room and went to the control room. And I wrote, Greg noped the fuck out of there. (laughs) Like after that, he just like, nope, I'm going home. Bye guys. Um, And they finished their shift. Uh, Throughout this whole thing, they were reporting all of the occurrences, but the way that they had to report them was not as if they were ghosts, but possible like intrusions um more like there's like a security breach rather than the like paranormal and with all of this being like hey we can't tell because you can't tell on the cameras so the county replaced the cameras eventually they were like you can't see anything on them we can't tell if somebody's there we need better cameras Mm -hmm. and these ones had the infrared like night vision stuff okay so Uh, September 15th, which is about mm, 11 days after all of that with Greg, right? Okay. So September 15th, Morgan was working alone again, and he was in the control room looking at the different screens and trying to familiarize himself with these new cameras and the technology and how he can control them and all that fun stuff because they had just gotten them. So he's like staring at the screens moving the stuff around, looking at the infrared, and he sees something that catches his eye on the screen in the main auditorium. Okay. Um, It looks like there's somebody sitting right in the middle of the theater in a seat. Like, all the seats are normal, and then there's this, like, darker figure in the middle in a seat. No. Um, He said it looks like somebody, it looked like somebody in a hood that was sitting in the middle of the theater, and then this thing does a quick this thing, you know, because the camera was like this into the from the corner of the theater mm-hmm. did a quick no turn his face to the camera and so morgan says it felt like it looked right at him so it turned its face to the camera and then he watched this thing it had like dark eyes he watched this thing like slowly lift out of the seat and float all the way up into the ceiling and then no. just disappear no yeah like what the fuck that's my thought. I'm like, I can't. Mm-mm. Nope. So Morgan didn't check this out. He just locked that fucking door, waited for the end of his shift, and then left. Yep. <laughs> That's when he quit. He was like, Fuck nope, that. I oh. am done. So Dave continued working, though, because... Bitch needed, needed money. <laughs> right. So one of the nights that he was working by himself, he heard what he thought was the piano playing. Well, there was only one piano in the whole building and it was down in the basement. So he goes down there. He de- heads down the stairs, draws his gun as he's about to go get to the staircase. Um, and a- 
usually like it fades out, but it was getting louder and louder as he got closer and closer to the uh, basement. And it was unmistakable at the point that he got down to the bottom of the stairs that the piano was playing. Like it wasn't just, I think I hear a couple little notes. Mm -hmm. So he makes his way to the bottom of the stairs and he's about to go around the corner and he hears the key cover of this, the piano just slam shut like boom. And it makes that echoey sound from the piano getting vibrated. Mm-hmm. Um, it just makes me, no, nope. I hate it. I hate it. So anyway, so here's that slam shut and he quickly shines his light over to the cam or to the piano. Cause he was right at the bottom of the stairs and there's nobody there as always. He's like, not surprised. Nobody there. Um, and like he knew it and he knew there was nobody in the whole building um there never is and so he also at that point just shuts himself into that control room locks it up and stays there until the end of the shift and leaves um the next day he goes to his sergeant and tells him if you ever put me in that theater again I quit (laughs) and and so he got transferred he's like if I ever am in there no no I am done I quit fuck Um, that I'm done Mm-hmm. So for two whole months, there was not a single like steady person in the theater. It was always like whoever was extra, they kind of rotated people in and out of it. Um, and then November 26, Josh Thomas, which is like, they said he was a veteran police officer, had been around, seen a lot of things, very like hard to freak him out, hard to surprise mm-hmm. him, um, was hired to be the full-time theater security. Uh, and it was kind of like a, Hey, people have been quitting here. Like, do you think you can handle it? He's like, Oh hell yeah, it's fine. Like they're being pussies, you know? Mm -hmm. So that night, his very first night, Josh radios over saying he needs backup because he's not alone in the theater. Someone else is here. And Dave happened to be the nearest one to it. Like he was was making his rounds. Yeah. Yeah. And so he got it on the radio and it's like, you're the closest you need to go. And he's like, I really don't want to, but it's also my duty to go like back him up. What if there is actually somebody there? So (sighs) he knows that it's probably nobody, but he goes, okay, to be back up. When he gets there, Josh is standing outside the theater at the back door and he looks terrified. Dave said he just looked like drained of color, just like I saw something and I don't know what to make of it. Josh told Dave that he was doing security rounds when he started to hear voices in the basement. Um, everything was shut. Uh, he made it all the way up to the third floor. And soon he was there, as soon as he was there, he saw that the elevator had activated itself. And now it was moving upwards from the basement. Like he could see the lights, just like Blair mm-hmm. said he saw. Um, when it opened, there was nobody there. And then the alarm went off and there was nothing obstructing it. And he goes, so that's when he called for backup. Cause he's like, someone's physically making these things happen. We need to figure out why. And you know, Dave at this point is just like, okay, bud, like <laughs> this is, you know, I'm not going to like downgrade you. So they do their clearing. They walk around, check all their doors. I'm scared. Can you come with me? <laughs> right. Ex- exactly. That's pretty much what it was. He's like, I called for backup because I didn't want to go down there by myself. Um, so. They do their rounds, and once they finish that up, they're kind of chatting in the auditorium area. They're sitting on the stage. And so the way that they're standing is Dave has his back to the audience, and Josh is facing Dave. So mm-hmm. Josh is facing the audience. Um, while talking, all of a sudden, Josh just stops. 
he stops mid-sentence, freezes, and just stares, like, over Dave's shoulder. And Dave's like, what the fuck? (laughs) Don't do that. Uh, Yeah, so Josh says, there's somebody behind you. And so Dave slowly turns, like, puts his hand on his weapon, slowly turns, and sees that in the very back of the theater, there's a man near the corner with his hands to his side and his back to them. And it looks like he has a hood up, kind of like uh, Morgan said that he saw a guy sitting in the middle of the theater with a hood. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then same where he's turned away and then he just quick turns around and like makes eye contact with them. No, I'd nope the fuck out of there so hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what Dave said he saw was this man looked like he had been charred. Like his skin was <gasps> the burned. Phantom of the opera. Right? That's Inside the first thing I thought. your mind. I was like, that's the first oh. thing I thought. <laughs> um but yeah so his like skin was charred and his eyes were sunken and black no and (laughs) yeah nope Mm mm-hmm and then suddenly this thing making eye contact suddenly it turns away from them and it runs out the back of the theater like just takes off um josh thought that this was an actual intruder and dave was like nah dude like don't even don't even worry about it that's a demon don't worry about it uh so they never found found the figure like they saw it run and he's like no 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 and they did their checks again nothing was there and after that dave told josh all about what he had experienced what he had heard for stories and josh was just so excited to be working there at that point it's like (laughs) shit fucking cool so Dave never went to that theater again. Like, after that, he never had to go there um, until, I mean, obviously, he's probably still working and whatever, but Mm -hmm. from what I said, he saw, he never had to. He did do some research on it, though, and it turns out that in the 40s, there was a huge fire um, in the basement, and a man had died in that fire in the basement. Dun, dun, dun. I just got chills. Yeah, so that is what he thinks that is is just this man who his soul just hasn't rested and that's why he's roaming around the theater but yeah that is the story Mm-mm. of, of no. the, the security haunting no <laughs> don't like that no i thought so i did the you know i did the devil's bible last week and i was like you know what i really like these like haunting stories if i can find things that are like detailed enough they creep me out enough to where i'm like mm-hmm. I can tell it, and it's spooky. Hey, it is spooky. It's a spooky. <laughs> All right. All right. I don't like that, and I'm yeah. alone in this house. Although it's a, a new house, so I haven't got the creepy vibes at all from this house. Mm-mm. The only thing I've found that I've discovered is I hate showering in a place that I've never been before, or like mm-hmm. I've never, like by myself. Yeah. So I've showered twice here and I don't like, I don't, I'm not used to the houses or the noise the house makes. Right. So every little thing I'm like, the fuck was that? I know every door is locked, but I'm still like, <laughs> the fuck was that? I haven't gone down the basement. because so I was like, it's, I don't want to go down there. It's like that meme. If you're here to kill me, I'm going to make it hard. I'll fight naked. <laughs> I'll fight naked and I'll be a slippery motherfucker. Don't think I won't. <laughs> but that's what scares me about moving like, to Ohio 
Uh Because we're looking at like houses houses. and some of them are old and some of them have been refurbished and I'm like super sensitive. So I'm like, are we going to go? That's what I was telling Chris. I'm like, my thing I'm most afraid of is that this house is going to be haunted and I'm never going to sleep again. No, like I don't like it. Although thus far, the only reason that I've ever gotten jumpy at all is when I'm here by myself working in my office and I have like the dryer running that's in the room next to me and it clunk clunks and then it like catches me off guard. Otherwise, it's pretty homey. Haven't had any things. That's good. Now you jinxed so that's yourself. Good. No, I've said it a few times out loud and it still hasn't changed. So that's, I'm feeling pretty, pretty good. Like C- Carrie's house gives me the willy nillies. Uh, Yeah. That thing, it's got haunted children in it. Faux I show. love you, Carrie, but oh God. But your house is creepy as fuck. I have a real hard time sleeping. Yeah. I don't like it. I love you. But I don't <laughs> like your house. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. Oh, did you oh. see we, we had an email? So we'll have to next week when we do. Somebody, um, for fuck's sake, somebody emailed. Uh-huh. I didn't see it. Yeah, my cousin Ashley emailed. She's Ashley! Like, yeah, she's not like, it's not like a personal haunting story, but it's a weird thing that's in Minnesota that would be fun to share. Okay. Thank you for emailing us. Yeah. Nobody else has. Fucking slackers. Come on, kids. Help Get us do, it. help us help you, okay? Yeah. Let it, help us entertain you. And then we can react to people's stories. Yeah. And judge the, we got another, I didn't even see this. So we had a review in May and then we had another one in August that I missed. Oh, I didn't even see. Hey, thanks dude. Um, yeah, I don't know what else That's That's all I got. That's all folks. Um, so, you know, like us on Instagram, Facebook, uh, share things, uh, you know participate emails send us messages if you think if you can think of if you've listened to our episode and there's something that sparked your funny bone send it to us because we're trying to think we're drumming up t-shirt ideas Mm -hmm. so and we want it to be things that actually people remember so because there's things that we think are funny that we say and then there's things that people think might actually be funny (laughs) yeah (laughs) because i'm gonna be honest a lot of the shit we say we find funny that's probably not funny to anybody else so uh Melissa said she wanted a shirt that said spread the word and on the back says spread yourselves. Oh, <laughs> oh for sure. That's that's on the list. <laughs> but yeah. So uh, uh yeah, speaking of spread the word, spread, spread the word. Yourself. And then spread yourself like butter. Spread it like butter or schmear. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> don't spread your schmear. <laughs> oh, hey, don't spread your schmear. You should probably get that checked actually. <laughs> the doctor or something (laughs) all right kids adios bye